It's time for episode 371 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where our results are in after just 30 minutes. My name is Dan Moore, and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. How you doing? I'm all right, Dan. <laughs> Too, I'm soon? All right. Too soon? <laughs> Too soon? Uh, There's yes. a bit of a delay there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, yeah, I'm all right. Uh, how are you? I'm I'm holding in there. I'm holding in there. Best as, best as I can. Uh, but what gives me hope, what keeps me going, the reason I'm happy to be here today is because we have two fantastic guests. To my left this week, it is my very good friend, podcaster at Originality, the uh, the, he, the head honcho at App Launch Map. It is Aline Sims. Welcome back, Aline. Hello. We are so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. And to my left, you know him, you love him. He makes a fantastic app called PCalc, as well as Dice by PCalc, as well as a minigame inside of one of those apps, at least. It's James the Calculator Thompson. Welcome back, James. Well, I'm pretty sure Micah's not an imposter, but I'm not sure about Dan. <laughs> Never can be. <laughs> well, would an imposter start this show off with a topic? <laughs> I don't think so, but that's just what I'm going to do. We got a yesterday announcement, oh, sorry, Monday at this recording, yeesh, what a week, uh, an ah. announcement of another Apple event, the third Apple event of the fall, and this one, everybody seems to think, will be about Apple Silicon Macs, which are on tap. I'm curious, what are you most excited about for an Apple processor transition in the Mac, Aline? My semi-jokey answer is being able to play Among Us from my <laughs> Mac. <laughs> um, my more serious uh, answer is longer battery life for laptops. And my pie-in-the-sky thought is, what if this means that Apple has a more accessible price tag as an entry point for Mac computers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that is, I don't know if they'll do it or not, but thinking about kind of a drum that I've been beating for years now is that Apple products are expensive and yes, they're, they're worth it. Like I understand all of the arguments about that. um, But the fact of the matter is, most of them are inaccessible for a lot of people. And so this could be a way to potentially get Max back in schools. I don't know. You know, they're not going to go to cheap Chromebook um, prices, but like maybe on par with the good Chromebooks. I don't know. But it's really interesting to think about. I would love to see it. Um, I'm not sure under Tim Cook's Apple if it'll happen or not, but it would be amazing if it did. I just imagined students sort of running past each other to get the good Chromebook. <laughs> like, no, no, mm-hmm. I got dibs on the good Chromebook. Um, so, Aline, your joke answer is my real answer, <laughs> not in not in just <laughs> among us, but <laughs> but I love the idea of using iOS apps on 
the Mac. There are a few apps that I use pretty regularly on iOS. Please don't quiz me about them right now because my brain is in another universe. Um, but I can certainly think of times where I've been sitting uh, on my iPhone and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to move to my iPad. It'd be easy there. And then to be able to move that to the Mac and have a pointing device. Uh, yes, I know I have a trackpad with my iPad, but just to go full Mac with it. And some of the apps that I use that are sort of like, they're just little tools that I use while I'm doing other things. To have that just pulled up on the Mac and to be able to use that, that is really exciting. And I'm kind of disappointed because I just got uh, my my 15-inch MacBook Pro uh, that I have for work was messing up. And so I just got uh, replaced that with a 16-inch MacBook oh, Pro. No. And there might be Apple Silicon soon. I'm so sad. I won't be getting it. Anyway, that's my answer, James. What is yours? Uh, if I currently had an Apple Silicon Mac sitting in front of me, um, I certainly mm. couldn't comment about it or talk about any specific benchmarks. However, I think the basic CPU stuff is going to be pretty uninteresting to many people. Um, most people aren't, are, aren't even going to notice the difference, aside from probably lower power consumption. Um, you know, unless you want to use boot camp or a virtual machine to run the Windows software anyway. Um, a lot of existing software is just going to run out of the box in a very boring way with the Rosetta. And with my own stuff, recompiling it for Apple Silicon has been extremely straightforward. So I don't really see any problems there. Uh, I'm actually most interested to see what Apple can do with the GPUs in Macs. Typically, Macs, especially the entry-level ones, don't have the best graphics performance. And I don't know that Apple is going to beat the sort of higher-end discrete uh, graphics cards and chips, you know, the, the sort of the, the high-end NVIDIA stuff uh, with these lower-end initial machines. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to be able to beat the Intel integrated graphics. And I'm curious how, you know, if they're going to get close to the mobile discrete graphics that you're going to get in something like a uh, 16-inch uh, uh, MacBook Pro. So I, I'm I'm curious mostly on that front because if Apple can sort of shift the bar on how good graphics are on Macs, that's going to make uh, quite a difference to all of us playing Among Us with its 2D <laughs> graphics. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm most interested about uh, is the story that Apple's going to tell here. I mean, if it really were, so like the, the report that came out from Bloomberg uh, yesterday, I think was like, oh, it's just a 13-inch MacBook and the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Don't expect any like wild changes. And I'm sitting there going like, they're not going to hold an hour-long event <laughs> to be like, here are our new computers. No big. <laughs> like, that seems silly mm. to me. They've got to have a compelling story. And I think a lot of it's going to involve all the things that you guys have touched on. Because I think that those are significant improvements. Um, it could include the lower price. It could include, um, the you know, all, obviously the benefits of running iOS apps, the performance, the GPUs, that stuff. I think power consumption, as James alluded to, is one big thing for me. I mean, we've seen the impressive lengths they can go to on things like the iPad Pro. And the iPad Pro has a significantly smaller battery, I believe, than, than pretty much any laptop that's around. So being able to eke out more battery life and potentially really have a, a computer that can run, you know, most like pretty much all day, you know, on, on a battery would be pretty amazing, especially if it can bring the kind of performance that we're used to in those scenarios. Thanks for all your answers. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Aline iPhones. Let's talk about iPhones. Um, I'm sitting here as we're talking, playing Hold Down on my iPhone 11 Pro Max. 
I, I have pre-ordered, well, not a pre-ordered. I have gone through like the credit check and everything to get to order an iPhone 12 Max because once we hit iPhone 5, the phone wasn't going to fit in my pocket anyway, so I might as well go big or go home. So um, I'm just curious. That's kind of my situation um, for the next year or so with iPhone. I was just wondering what you all are doing. Uh, so right now, I have an iPhone 12 Pro in Pacific Blue. Um, I-, I did think maybe I would go down a size just, you know, I, with getting this, it would give me a chance to try it and see if I wanted to stick with this size. Uh, but I will be returning it uh, probably tomorrow um, and pre-ordering the iPhone 12 Pro Max on, what is it, Friday. Um, so it was, you know, it, it's it's a good phone. Um, and I really think the only reason I'm getting it is because I need to have it for work. Otherwise I would be just perfectly fine with my, uh, 11 S or whatever it is. I can't think of the numbers anymore because it's all just confusing, but with the new design and the, you know, better camera system, it still just feels so marginal that if you are on a more modern phone, uh, iPhone, I don't know that it's worth the upgrade. So, yeah, I don't think that I would be getting the new one if it wasn't for work. James, what about you? I've got an iPhone 11 Pro at the moment, and I'm getting absolutely nothing this year. Uh, usually, you know, I buy phones on a two-year cycle unless there's something materially different about them that I need to have as a developer. Or, you know, I just really, really want the new cameras, as happened last year. Um but all my phones typically get handed on to people or go in the big drawer of test devices that I've got for running older versions of iOS. So the upgrade program isn't particularly use- useful to me. And I can't justify spending over a thousand pounds a year on a new unlocked phone each year. And particularly now when I am not really leaving the house quite as much as I used to do. And when I do, you know, like the only photos I am taking are of squirrels in the local <laughs> park. Uh, squirrels are nice, but they're not thousand pounds a year camera nice. Um, <laughs> Whoa. And I don't need to LIDAR a squirrel. Um, <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Conservationists, thank you. um that's me i think for the year i have a uh pretty much the phone micah has a pacific blue iphone 12 pro i am not a a max size user so that size for me is is about right i have to admit to being slightly tempted by the iphone 12 mini and frankly even the iphone 12 which i think has a better look and feel to it potentially than the iphone 12 pro i don't particularly love the shininess of the the stainless steel on the pro and i think the colors are much more muted and i prefer the more vibrant colors in the iphone 12 line but i was i've gotten used to having the telephoto lens and so i feel like i've ended up you know getting the 12 pro instead i was able to go down a capacity size because there's a 128 gigabyte model this year so i went down from a 256 11 pro which i wasn't really using all of so i saved a little bit of money on my upgrade program monthly payment which is nice but you know i I do agree that the the upgrade definitely feels more marginal you know for the average person were i not a tech journalist i would probably like james be on a two-year cycle or something a little bit longer because frankly the 11 pro was perfectly fine so i think apple is hitting that era of sort of 
it's a very mature product line now. It's a lot harder to eke out sort of major changes that are going to get people really excited about a brand new phone when the best they could muster was, hey, by the way, it's 5G. And can you use 5G? (laughs) Well, your mileage may vary. (laughs) And your battery life. Yeah, many, many. And your data caps, all of those things. Aline, why don't you round us out here? Yeah, I... um... I think I too, I I used to be in a situation where I had to upgrade. The year-over-year improvements were such that um, to be able to do my job, I had to upgrade every year. And now I'm upgrading more for um, camera, which we'll talk about in a minute, I think. And also um, because I'm on the upgrade program and I might as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a conversation that um, my husband and I need to have is like, is it worth being on the upgrade program anymore? Because neither of us for our jobs need to have the latest and greatest anymore. It's not, you know, the iterations are not coming fast enough. So, which is fine. Um, It's part of, like you said, Dan, being uh, a mature product. But, you know, I think that we're going to have some some conversations in my household over the next year or so in deciding whether we want to continue on the upgrade program. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And to tell us about this week's sponsor, I'm going to turn it over to Micah. I am honored because this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by PDF Pen from our awesome pals at Smile. Listen, if you're searching for a powerful PDF editing tool for your Mac, for your iPad, for your iPhone, then look no further than PDF Pen. Whether you're on the road or you're at your desk, you need advanced editing features, or you just want to sign an email back and send back a contract, PDF Pen has you covered. It is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac and now includes even more powerful features. You get page label support in multiple formats for documents, and pro users can go a step farther with the ability to add or edit page labels. These features are in addition to the great features available in PDF Pen 12, including a magnifier window to zoom in on a document, customizable compression settings, and stationery with new paper colors for custom page designs. And you can check out the Smile blog for articles on how to take notes on iPad using PDF Pen and the safety of PDF Pen editors. Now, PDF Pen has been a tool in my toolkit for quite a while, almost as long as Text Expander by Smile, uh, because it's just an easy way to open and mess with and make adjustments to PDFs. It's a good way to sign documents. And uh, I just used it the other day to help my brother get uh, signed up for uh, the election to to be able to vote to register to vote. So uh, basically, anybody who needs to make edits to a PDF should check out PDF Pen. There's PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone, and they all work together for seamless editing across devices when used with Dropbox or iCloud. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com/podcast. That's smilesoftware.com/podcast. Our thanks to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Alrighty, we are back from halftime, and it is my topic. Uh, something that I have been thinking about lately is the way that we use the devices uh, that we get or we upgrade to and whether we're taking kind of full advantage of the features. Um, Every year, smartphones, be it iPhones or other phones, uh, 
announce new, better, awesome, cool camera features. <laughs> and some of those, you know, you'll see folks use them within the first couple of days, and then you don't see it as much. And I'm just curious, do you feel like you take advantage of the improvements, the new lenses, the new uh, night shift mode 2.0s and the, the, the raw and all these different things when you get a new uh, camera? Or do you kind of push those things to the side and just kind of, I snap photos when it comes time to snap photos? James, we'll start with you. Well, I refer the honorable gentleman to my previous answer about squirrels. <laughs> It's, I don't think I do at all. I, I was noticing this again with the aforementioned squirrels when I was in the, the park the other day. I was trying to take a video uh, of a squirrel and I took a, I took a video of one. It was very cute. Uh, and I looked at the video <laughs> and I thought, wow, the quality on this is really good. I, this is on my previous year phone. And it was like, oh, this really nice image stabilization. And, you know, this is all, you know, 60 frames a second 4K squirrel. Um <laughs> And I realized that I'd never actually noticed that before because I'd never really been taking anything on video that uh, had uh, in the previous year. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, take, I'd shot videos, of course, but I'd never really done the sort of handheld, you know, close-in stuff. And, you know, there, there are things that uh, happen with, like, the the night mode stuff, which, which is something that I do uh, see the advantage of uh, and I use that uh, but you know it was for things the last thing I used that was for taking a picture inside my um, AV cabinet to get a, a, a serial number off the back of a PlayStation VR box <laughs> and it's like this is not really using this uh, I mean it works and it was great but it's not really I think what they were intending I don't know what you're talking about, Micah. I'm still taking slow fees. Just like yeah. left, left yeah, and right. right. Well, I uh, forgot about those yeah, already. Yeah, didn't everybody? <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, here's the thing. Apple's had got a very clear goal with the camera on the iPhone, and that is to have it be as simple as possible to take a picture in basically any environment, right? You point, you shoot, you're done. They don't want you to have to spend time to muck about with manual settings like exposures and all that jazz. I mean, sure, it's an option if you want to get like a third-party app like Halide or something like that and, and use that. That's great. That's an option. But they would prefer it that it just like takes great pictures no matter what. And as a result, I think it gets harder and harder to make a differentiating factor about like making a feature kind of like what i call a destination feature right like something you're so excited to get the phone for that you're like oh i gotta go use this thing immediately and i don't think that's the case with cameras anymore i think it's more of a background feature where it's like uh, having the confidence to know that whenever i take a picture it's going to be the best possible picture i could take no matter what the circumstances are so I, I think there's it's great to always have the people at the top end who are pushing the envelope but i think trying to encourage more people to like use cameras by pushing kind of gimmicky features like a slow fee uh i think that's not going anywhere it doesn't really help anybody it's it's a marketing bullet point and everybody kind of sees through it immediately so um the cameras get better which is great but i i don't think it makes it, it's diminishing returns for most of us so part of the reason I go with the giant phone is that it has all of the camera bells and whistles on it. Um, otherwise, I think that I would be, you know, I had an iPhone XR a, a couple of years ago because um, I was in a financial situation where I needed kind of the least expensive phone that would do what I needed it to do. But 
man, it was a bummer not having the dual camera set up and everything at that point in time. Um, so I, I love photography. Um, I used to do a lot of photography stuff, um, until my health got to, to a point where I couldn't get out and about as much anymore. Um, so I always go for whatever I can for, for the best camera. And I think I'm a fairly decent photographer. I'm not like pro level, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good amateur. And so I like having, um, I like having multiple lenses to choose from when I'm, when I'm taking a photo. I like knowing at this point that I can get fairly close to something because I really love details in things sometimes. Um, so I can get kind of close and the detail will come through and not look all, you know, snowy. Um, and, you know, like right now, my husband is with his mom in Arizona and she has some kittens and I really wish he would upgrade his phone because, uh, at night we're doing like FaceTime calls and the kittens are kind of, kind of fuzzy looking, not in the like hairy <laughs> way, but I would like some more clarity in these kitten videos. And so, yeah, uh, the camera is important to me and, you know, I, I, th- I think that's okay. Kitten clarity is important yes, to you. Yes, it is. It is. Um, thank you all for your answers on that one. It's a a, a really interesting topic. Um, I am certainly, I don't consider myself a photographer at all. And it is one of those things where in the moment, uh, James, kind of what you're talking about, where you realize, wow, this is really, wow, this is pretty cool stuff I've been able to shoot here. When it comes to the, it, it was Halide actually, or Halide that was the reason why I brought up this this topic, because I subs- I upgraded my subscription um, for the, the app. And one of the things that uh, it included in the app was a subscription uh, to a newsletter where it was like 10 days of Halide and it taught you a bunch of different features that are in the camera app. And it was just kind of like, wow, there's a lot I can do even on this phone. And then now I've got the iPhone 12 Pro. And so to be able to test out some of the stuff there, it's just, it's pretty wild what these devices can do. And sometimes I feel a little guilty, I guess, not taking full advantage of it, but I don't know. That's therapy for another day. Uh, Let's move on to our final topic, which comes from James. So I've been looking at the new Raspberry Pi 400, uh, which is a whole computer built into a small keyboard for $70. And I really want to get one to play with. Uh, It looks quite cool, uh, but I know that in practice, I'm never actually going to use it. Uh, is there any other technology that you have similarly conflicted feelings about? Yeah, like all of it, basically. <laughs> like I've hit a stage where like I, I, you know, I'll I'll read like the wire cutters deals page like pretty much every day and be like, oh, is there anything or anything I'm interested in? And then I will always talk myself out of buying things because I'm like, am I going to really use it? Like recently there was a pretty good sale on one of the um, DJI gimbals for the iPhone for like the Steadicam stuff. And I was like, well, that's cool. And it's like under a hundred bucks. And I was like, I will use it once, it will go in a drawer, and I will never touch it again. There's all these sorts of aspirational technology things that I feel like I look at and I'm like, I, I know myself well enough to know exactly what my limits are. And I think the Raspberry Pi is another great example. I've eyeballed those things for a long time and I've never bought one because I know I'll enjoy the process of like getting it all set up and tinkering around with it or something. And then I'll just be like, now I have this. Now what? <laughs> I think I just end up being more worried about collecting more junk in my house that I will eventually then be like, why do I have this thing? I should get rid of it. So 
yeah the the short answer is is pretty much every single piece of technology i ever think about buying is something that i then talk myself out of with the exception of um you know phones and laptops basically also a raspberry pi um but i bought an ipad mini um the last time they were refreshed because i wanted it to be kind of my consumption device we always hear that about ipads they're for consumption and i was like hey let's let's give this a shot so i set it up didn't you know no email on it no notifications no nothing just you know playing games reading and watching videos and what i discovered um and i was looking to get away from the amazon ecosystem looking to get away from kindles um what i've discovered it is it really hurts when you drop an ipad mini on your face in bed they're still <laughs> heavy enough that they're just not quite bed friendly enough so i did end up actually getting a, a kindle i think it's an oasis and um, I still use my iPad mini. It's what I use to play Among Us. Um, you know, if I'm reading stuff in um, Apple's books, it's, it's not iBooks anymore, but, you know, in that mm-hmm. ecosystem, you know, I'm, I'm using my Kindle, uh, my Kindle mini. Wow. <laughs> I'm using my iPad mini. Um, but yeah, I just, I, sometimes I go a couple of weeks without touching it and I look at it and think, you know, I, I want to do something cool with you, but what what do I do? And then I get overwhelmed and just let it sit on the pile in the bedroom. One that uh, started out as conflicted feelings and for a long time was conflicted feelings was uh, virtual reality helmet or headset or whatever you want to call it. Because I remember having the Oculus Quest version one sitting in a car. It, it had, I'd gotten the notification that it was back in stock. I had it in my cart and was so close to hitting checkout and then decided against it at the kind of last second and let it go, let it go. Um, but I ended up getting uh, a, an Oculus Quest version 2. And despite my misgivings about Facebook um, and my misgivings about maybe not being interested in VR and so it kind of being a product that would just sit there, it has been delightful and has been a bit of a uh, take a break, take a step away in a, in a world where we're not really able to do a whole lot of take a break, take a step away. So I think that the product is super awesome um, and have really enjoyed it. So sometimes it is worth talking yourself into something because you might find a new delightful like hobby or something whenever you do it. James, why don't you round us out? So the, the Raspberry Pi 400, it's like in concept, if not design, it's very reminiscent of the home computers of my youth in the 80s, like the Commodore 64 or Spectrum. So there's a kind of nostalgia factor in there as well. But I literally do have a modern full-size recreation of the Commodore 64, complete with USB ports and HDMI out. And <laughs> as my wife did point out yesterday, I have used it about twice and it is taking up space in this flat. So um, I also have a Mister, which is a kind of open source FPGA and ARM based thing, which can emulate virtually any 8 8 bit or 16 bit computer or console. Um, And I have pre-released developer hardware for a forthcoming ARM based device, which is not the one that you're even thinking of. Um, What I'm saying is I don't have a shortage of toys. 
I think what I'm missing is not the gadgets to tinker with, but the time and especially right now, the motivation and mental capacity to do so. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to buy the Raspberry Pi 400 and I promise everybody here that. <laughs> we, we appreciate that you take that oath and take it seriously. Mm-hmm. All yes. right. That's four topics down. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic. This week, our episode is brought to you by Remote Works, a podcast that tells extraordinary stories of teams that made the shift to working remotely. This season on Remote Works, you'll hear how the pandemic didn't slow down Aston Martin Red Bull racing drivers and their teams, how two women working in a tiny trapper's cabin in the Arctic are dodging polar bears while fighting climate change, and digital nomads working from the beach in Barbados, Bali, and beyond. But it's not just stories about remote work. Each episode is full of insight and advice you can apply to your work and your team. Distributed work brings challenges, but it also represents opportunity. That's what Remote Works is all about, helping you find new ways to work, collaborate, and discover new possibilities. I got a sneak preview of season two of Remote Works. I got to listen to the episode about the Aston Martin Red Bull racing team, which was actually pretty fascinating because the the whole sort of formula one racing i find intriguing just the huge size of those operations right you might think about it like oh there's a driver and maybe there's a few people in the pit crew there are like hundreds of people like crunching all this data just trying to eke out these tiny little like split second advantages anyway search for remote works anywhere you listen to podcasts we'll include a link in the show notes our thanks to remote works for their support of this show and relay fm all right, bonus topic, and it's kind of a follow-on, I guess, to the last topic, but keep it brief. What was your last retail therapy purchase, Aline? At one forty-five this morning, I placed a grocery order for gluten-free chicken nuggets. Nice. Heck yeah. Uh, some knitting needles. I needed some updated knitting needles, and yes. I was happy about it. <laughs> I bought two volumes of the Batman White Knight graphics novels as recommended to me by one Tony Sindela. And a little bit of uh, urging from Aline, I ordered a Keychron mechanical keyboard. You're welcome. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> well, that is our show. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week. Aline Sims, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a bright spot in my day. Aw, and James Thompson, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for stopping me from looking at social media for half an hour. <laughs> and Micah that's it for this week's show but we'll be back next week until then we remind all of you listening out there watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody